Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you on this podcast-only waiver wire edition of the podcast, the show. Again, you can reach us anytime at SNS Alley with two L's at MattyMar89 at the Fantasy Show on Twitter. I guess well, you can reach us as long as Twitter's around, but let's hope it's for uh, for a little while longer. Uh, we're here to break down all of the waiver wire ads ahead of waiver wire processing on Wednesdays. And uh, Matt, week ten in the books, and uh, another super eventful week. Some big injuries, which obviously always affects the waiver wire, right? Like you're always looking at injuries and and situations where guys can maybe pop in. You and I were talking about this right before we hit record here, but uh, Jerry Judy injured, not great. Uh, a lot of other guys getting dinged up. I mean, DeAndre Swift still scoring a touchdown, but DeAndre Swift still maybe getting some rest and so on. Jamal Williams still uh, being worked in there in a huge way. Brandon Cook's making his return. And actually, he actually almost had a touchdown. I think he actually did catch a touchdown, and then it was called back due to some kind of penalty. So, I mean, you know, he had, a, he had his captaincy stripped from him. It was a very... <laughs> eventful week across uh, week 10 in the NFL now it's officially in the books and uh, it all started with a game in Germany and I, I believe Tom Brady now becomes the first ever QB not not even QB actually I think it's first ever NFL player to win a game in four different countries which is uh, actually pretty impressive I don't think one of them is Canada though somehow I don't think one of them is Canada yeah I don't even know if he's actually played in Canada I don't so, think so I don't I don't I don't think the the Bills in Toronto series ever had them play New England although that would so. have been that would have been quite something. But yeah, it's I guess if you play long enough, you you get opportunities and if you're as good as Tom Brady's been in his career, you get opportunities to play in those games. So, yeah, it was uh it was a it was an interesting game, that's for sure. It was it was one of the better European games that we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know what's funny? I started Geno Smith in a couple of 2QB leagues, and I thought, like, I, I think that it was, like, literally, like, maybe, like, a couple of minutes into the fourth quarter, and I thought, man, like, of course, the one week I finally start Geno, because it was in leagues where, like, it was, like, Justin Fields, or it was, like, Dak Prescott, or Lamar Jackson was the other guy, right? And finally, one guy was on by. I think Burrow was on by in a couple of leagues here. So I needed to start Geno, and... Uh, I was like, oh, man, of course, the first time I start Gino the entire season, he's like kind of putting up a dud. And then he comes alive in the fourth quarter. They almost win it. The The Buccaneers do manage to put away the Seahawks on the, with the running game, the help of the running game, not much less Tom Brady in that fourth quarter. But, man, I, I got to say, before we get to the waiver wire stuff, and we ta- Gino Smith himself was one of our waiver wire pickups earlier on the season, he has been phenomenal. Like, again, I, I don't know what his contract situation looks like in 2023. Like we know from Ian Rappaport from NFL Network that he is going to be the starter next year, barring a uh, like I mean, an injury or something like that. But man, Geno Smith has been electric, relative to expectations electric, and he has kept the entire Seahawks fantasy offense alive, including DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, and Tyler Lockett caught another touchdown for yeah. three weeks in yeah. a row. DK Metcalf was great again. Uh, Kenneth Walker is is proving to be uh, worth every every draft capital that they spent on him. Um, they did draft him in the second round, and kind of people were shaking their heads. Well, you got Rashad Penny, and look how good Rashad Penny was. Well, Rashad Penny can never stay healthy, and Kenneth Walker has been really good. This past week, it wasn't as good 
as we've seen, he, he didn't score a touchdown, which we're, we're normally used to with him. But again, still another player that, you know, was drafted later and, and could end up being a league winner with how that offense is rolling. Yeah, the offense for, like you said, Kenneth Walker, he didn't uh, had a, not, I don't want to say a dud necessarily. It's, I mean, everyone's going to have... For his have, standards, it was yeah, a dud. <laughs> that, that's kind of the thing, right? Like, he still had around 10 points in half PPR leagues because he had some pretty... He was he was involved in the passing game, especially late in the game when the Seahawks were trailing. So, you like, that's... it's it's You'll take, like, 10 points out of your running backs, I, I, even in, like, really any year, and you wouldn't complain too, too much about it. But, yeah, given his recent production, I think you kind of hope for a lot more. Same goes with, like... Someone like Travis Etienne to look at another running back. He had been so, so good. But the Jags got down early, so, so early. And uh, he, he, he ended up, they kind of went away from the run game a little bit. Much to the delight of Christian Kirk owners. Maybe a little less so for uh, Travis Etienne owners. But on the other side of the field for the, uh, for the Buccaneers, that's where I wanted to start with our waiver wire pickups this week. Actually, this is a guy we've talked about before. Rashad White, of course who is the uh, the rookie running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he he was the one I mentioned the Buccaneers iced the game with the running the running attack, and Rashad White was the guy who was headlining that rush, rushing attack late in the game because Leonard Fournette did leave the game with a hip pointer, and he did not return. So I think a lot of people were kind of like, oh, man, is this going to go from a committee to finally having a rookie take over the backfield? And Rashad White did look very, very good once he had the ball in his hands the majority of the time. Uh, he is rostered in 45% of Yahoo leagues, but so on the off chance he is available, I think absolutely you should go get him. But I will just say, Matt, I think, I'm not sure if it was earlier today or if it was yesterday. Time is a flat circle. It all blends together for me. But I, I do believe that Leonard Fournette is expected to play next week, as in week 11. So I guess good news if you're a Fournette owner, less good news if you were planning to spend a lot of fab on Rashad White. But having said that, I mean, even if it is a committee and we've seen the injury to Fournette. It's best to pick him up, I would say, anyways. Yeah, so the Bucks are actually on a buy, so that's probably why they're optimistic. Oh, there you go. Even better. That, yeah, that he's going to play. But having said all that, like Rashad White has looked really good. And and again, I feel like people, and, and there's another player that we're going to get to. I don't know why people, like we need people listening to this show because we've been harping on the, the Rashad White train from the beginning of the season. And we said, just wait, just wait. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I think we're starting to see Rashad White slowly take over that backfield. He's more dynamic. He's been making plays. 22 carries for 105 yards against Seattle. And Seattle's defense has been better than expected. And and with Leonard Fournette, like if they're on the off chance he doesn't play, I mean, that is absolutely wheels up for Rashad White. And that's league winning upside because it does feel like the Buccaneers offense, it it, it looked better against the Seahawks. I'm not saying it, it looked like it did last year, but it looked better. Like Chris Godwin was better. Mike Evans had a, an off night or an off game by Mike Evans standards, but Godwin was good and, and Brady was better and, Rashad White looked good. The whole rushing attack looked good, which is going to open up opportunities for Tom Brady. So if they can continue to run the ball successfully, I think Rashad White's going to have a big, big part in that. Yeah, I think he if, if he is the guy, he is talented enough to keep that rushing of offense afloat. And I will say it's a no easy task to earn the trust 
of Tom Brady. It's it's just not. I will say, maybe the most entertaining moment in that entire game, Matt, has pro- was probably when they did the Wildcat with Leonard Fournette, and that madman actually threw a 45-year-old Tom Brady a jump ball. It wasn't like he was wide open or anything. The guy, he had to, like, stop and jump for it. And, I mean, what did you expect? The, the, like, the six-something uh, 45-year-old Tom Brady just fell down because, like, what's is it really worth having your, 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 your future Hall of Fame quarterback just go up and hurt himself when he comes down on an awkward pass with the CB getting tangled with that guy? Probably not. So Brady, I think, did the wise thing. And then, uh, unsurprisingly, he was uh, barking at Leonard Fournette in the uh, immediate aftermath of that play. I actually, I, when I saw that on Twitter, I thought to myself, like, what was Leonard Fournette thinking? Like, was he was he just trying to help, quote-unquote, help Brady out? Or was, I don't know. I, I, I honestly wish I could be, like, a fly in the wall inside of uh, Leonard Fournette's decision-making process there. Yeah, that was that was something of legend that yeah. play like Tom Brady falling as as the the corner is picking him uh, picking off Leonard Fournette I mean but like you said it was a jump ball like that's that's one of the funniest things ever because Tom Brady for as good a shape as he is it, it, he is in he does not he does not scream super athletic at this no. po- at this no. point in his career so forget forget never. him even not at yeah. this point in his career never in his career that's, that's true so think about like Tom Brady just running a route as being like oh my god that's way that's way um, off the charts for us now you throw him a fifty fifty ball uh, I don't I don't know about this one I'm sorry yeah that was, it was it's definitely gonna go down in history as one of the worst plays that we've seen. Yeah, like if if the NFL did, like you know, Shaq does, like the come on man, like the Shaq in a fool thing. Like if they ever did that yeah. again, they that would be the number one. Like if they did a year long 2022 thing, that would be that would be number one, I think, uh, on the entire list. But yeah, Rashad White, uh, like I said, not easy to earn the trust of Tom Brady. And I mean, if he if he is involved anymore, he is going to be a valuable fantasy asset. Forty five percent owned. In Yahoo leagues, it's possible. Like, I think the most likely scenarios for White at this point in the year is that maybe people just because of short benches or because he hadn't produced too too much, like in in, in the sense that not not enough to put in your lineup because he probably hadn't produced too too much. Maybe going into heavy bye weeks where you couldn't afford to start him or roster him on the bench in place of someone else, he might have just simply been dropped, right? So I think that might be someone to take a look at on the waiver wire because I think yeah, longer team benches probably rostered but still 45 percent worth taking a look and another guy who is uh, actually 24 percent owned and I, I have a feeling this is who you were referring to when you're talking about another guy who 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 maybe is in the same boat another guy we've talked about Isaiah Pacheco with the Kansas City Chiefs um i I don't know what the philo- philosophical shift if for Andy Reid and and Bienemy's offense was to make this be the case but Pacheco in this past week basically was the main running back. Like, Jarek Jarek McKinnon was essentially relegated to third-down duties, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their former first-round pick, I don't think he he either saw the ball, like, once or not at all. Like, he, he basically did not touch the football all game long against the Jaguars. Pacheco, like, I don't know about you, Matt, Pacheco kind of reminds me of, like, Kareem Hunt when he was on the Chiefs. He's just such a violent running back in the sense that he goes and seeks out contact all the time. I mean, he's, he's like Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry, but, like, 
a little smaller, right? And I think at, at 24% owned, Pacheco might not be a bad look-see because even in competitive leagues, he might have been dropped again with heavy bye weeks in week nine and in week 10. Yeah, and, and he's got the Chargers, Rams, and Bengals in the next three games. He had the 16 carries for 82 yards long, 55% of the running back snaps. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I believe, played six snaps. He did Oof. not have a carry. It was six or seven Jeez. snaps. He did not have a carry. He was not involved. Like, what a fall. F- now, I don't even want to call it a fall from grace, but it's just none of this makes any sort of sense. It, it really doesn't as it pertains to Clyde Edwards-Alaire because in the time that he has played this year, it hasn't been horrible. Hasn't been horrible. And it, and it's just like he's, he was really efficient at scoring touchdowns, which, I mean, for running a lot of running backs in that offense, it hasn't been that hard to do. But having said all that, I just don't – it's crazy to me that they spent the first-round pick on him. There were four or five other running backs that I had ranked ahead of him at that time, and he was the first running back off the board. It was Jonathan – just think about the guys that got drafted behind him. Jonathan Taylor – DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, all were drafted behind him. And could you imagine a guy like Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift in this Chiefs offense? It just Ooh. feels that was a that was a big, big miss uh, by the Chiefs. But Isaiah Pacheco, he was a, a later round pick. I believe he's a sixth round pick. But I agree. Like you talked about that, that running style like Kareem Hunt. That's exactly what it feels like. Very violent. And it does feel like every time he runs the ball and gets up, he's ready to point for the first down, and he's, like, angry about it. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's bizarre. True. It's so bizarre. <laughs> but he could end up being a player that gets that, you know, if he's if he's the guy who's going to end up getting maybe goal line touches on an offense that is as good as we've seen them be, especially over the course of the last three or four weeks they've been they've been on fire – then that's a really, really significant ad for anybody at this point in the year. And and even if you have a deep roster, like if your roster is really good and you're saying, well, I may or may not want to add him, add him so nobody else gets him because you don't want to have that mistake. And then he ends up being, you know, a guy that um, could be a league winner and you could have stashed him just to keep him away from somebody else. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're in the point of the year where... Uh, that like making those kinds of moves to block other players, whether you're who you're competing with in in various leagues or what have you, I think that is that is absolutely a valid point. And yeah, Pacheco again, twenty four percent rostered in in Yahoo leagues, basically means that he is likely, possibly available in your league. So definitely go out and give him a look. I almost, I honestly, of the other players on this list, you have three other players. They're all wide receivers. I don't know if it's just because running backs are, are kind of at a premium this year, like running backs who actually produce. I want to ask you an A.J. Dillon question before we get out of here, given that the Packers are playing the Titans on Thursday night. I want to get to that one before we go. But but uh, like like you look at the A.J. Dillon types, and I don't know, would you, wouldn't you rather have Pacheco or Rashad White versus A.J. Dillon, let's, let's, for, for example, right? So anyway, anyways, I just, I, I think what, the kind of runner he is, and he just, he's, he's a relatively young guy, I think you definitely want a piece of the Chiefs offense, and 
Furthermore, I mean, I don't know what the status of Juju Smith-Schuster is, and I hope he's okay, because that was a violent collision he took right to the helmet, and uh, they had the fencing thing, right? So he he was out immediately. He was ruled out very quickly with the concussion protocol, so I, I really do hope the best for Juju. But if he is out in any way, shape, or form, Nicole Hardman was already banged up. I know Kadarius Tony had a pretty explosive game, and we, uh, we recommended Tony as well at one point, so I hope you picked him up. But we keep talking about you want the best parts of the best offenses and if Patrick Mahomes after Travis Kelsey is really just throwing to Kadarius Tony and like you know one other guy then you know you might as well look to the run game a teensy bit um, let's get to those three wide receivers and let's start with the guy who is highest owned Donovan Peoples-Jones 35% owned again I don't think we need to spend too too much time on Peoples-Jones only because we recommended to him recommended him to you I think last week was it last and the week, week before <laughs> yeah two weeks like... in a row and his percentage has gone up like barely 30% yeah kind of surprising and... Well, you know, here's the thing, show, and this is why we tell people to listen to what we're talking about here. Because Donovan Peoples Jones, he he like like I wrote, he keeps ending up on this list, and we're trying to figure out why he keeps ending up on this list because the production is there every single week. He had he had five catches for 99 yards this past Sunday against Miami. He's had at least 71 yards in five of the last six weeks. His only blemish on the season is that he doesn't have a receiving touchdown yet this year. That's it. That's it. Because everything else, the production has been great. He's actually 28th in receiving yards in the league. And considering that he's had Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball, and very soon we'll have Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, I'd like to take my chances with Donovan Peoples-Jones. Where did, Where is Keenan Allen? Where is, Ke- is Keenan Allen in? Uh, is, he, is he higher or lower than 28th, you think? Uh, he would be um, lower, a lot lower. <laughs> a lot lower. Yeah, has he has he played more than one game this year, Keenan Allen? Actually, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Right? I don't it's, think it's so. It's just maybe just one. So. Yeah, boy, that, oof, what a that's been a rough year for Keenan Allen. Yeah, Donovan Peoples Jones, 35 percent owned. Which again, I think in uh, well, I I do think at least right now, maybe this changes, and this is why we're telling you to go out and get him. Because right now with Jacoby Brissett, who has been admittedly throwing the ball more than I thought he would, but even so, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, has a little smidge more value in half or full PPR leagues. But when Deshaun Watson comes back, and it might very well simply be in time for the fantasy playoffs, because he, I, don't, I, don't, I believe he doesn't come back until week 13. And given that there are uh, 18 weeks in the season, given that every team plays 17 games plus a bye, uh, there are 18 weeks in the season, which essentially means that your fantasy playoffs will, will are coming up soon, shortly after Deshaun Watson returns as the QB of the Cleveland Browns. If that, if he looks even kind of okay, and that offense can support some higher quality targets slash passes for for wide receivers or pass catchers, let's call them, then I I imagine along with Amari Cooper that Donovan Peoples-Jones will be valuable. So even if, I mean, he's also startable right now as your flex play uh, until you get to that point. So I definitely like Donovan Peoples-Jones for all the reasons Matt just said. Uh, The other two wide receivers, 6% owned and 9% owned. I gotta say, Darius Slayton, 6% owned, and Christian Watson, 9% owned. I'm actually, like, if you had asked me, before you sent me this list, if you had asked me, who is higher owned between Christian Watson and Darius Slayton, I honestly would have said Darius Slayton. Honest to God. 
Yeah, and and I was surprised to see that he was that low. Like I know it's not a high volume passing offense with the with the Giants, and I know Daniel Jones does have his limitations as a passer, but Darius Slayton has at least fifty eight yards and or a touchdown in four of his last five games. Yeah, he's been very been productive, good. and he's been he's been the number one receiver um, for the Giants. And to have a number one receiver on any team, it's still a good thing to have. And Darius Slayton's produced at this level before. He's, he was a really good receiver, and I don't know what happened over the last couple of years because as a rookie, he was he was pretty oh, he was good. Great. Yeah, he was and, great. And now, you know, he's, he's kind of gotten back into that as more of a, a deep threat. Like I know he averaged like 31 yards per catch uh, on Sunday, but it doesn't matter. He's still producing. He's still the guy that they're looking to the most. And, and he's been, he's been pretty impressive considering he's a guy that you, you didn't draft. Cause he was like, I don't know, wide receiver five or something. And now he's the number one wide receiver on a team that's seven and two and winning football games. Yeah. Darius Slayton has looked great. I mean, if you, if you had to pick just one wide receiver, I don't think you have from the Giants offense rather. I don't think you have to look too much farther. I mean, you look at Wandale Robinson. He like he, again, we we had him as a waiver wire pickup at one point, and I mean, I, I'm sure some people did. I picked him up in a couple of leagues for free essentially. And Wandale has looked, I mean, a little less impressive over the last couple of games than versus when we first saw his action earlier in the season, like about a month ago or thereabouts. And I mean, Kenny Galladay, I, he seems like his Giants career, maybe his NFL career, I don't know, but he seems kind of like he's toast. So I'm not sure if you really need to roster uh, Kenny Galladay at this point. So yeah, like you said, low volume passing offense, a lot of the rushing yards being um, extracted from the feet of either Daniel Jones himself or, of course, Saquon Barkley, who looked fantastic once again. So, I uh, yeah, I agree with you. If you get the wide receiver one on really any offense in 2022, that guy is probably worth rostering. So I like the Darius Slayton pickup, 6% owned. And Christian Watson, 9% owned. I guess because he has the draft pedigree, right? He's one of the higher uh, higher wide receivers picked. And then, of course, last this past week in Week 10, he puts up a three-touchdown game. And a couple of long ones. He made a great catch, like, in the red zone and then kind of just stayed on his feet just in time to get into the end zone and still got two more TDs after that. So uh, much-needed help for Aaron Rodgers as they defeat the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, which honestly might have been one of the biggest upsets of the week, given how awful, just truly awful the Packers had looked and how good the Dallas Cowboys have looked. So I, uh, I, I, I get why he's slightly higher owned at this point than Slayton. But let me ask you this. How much, A, how much do you believe this kind of performance because it's not like you can count on three touchdowns every week as much as nice as that would be Matt but I mean how like how much can you count for a repeatable performance in terms of gaining the trust of Aaron Rodgers and B if you do believe that's the case should you just be spending all your fab or do you are you going to be more cautious with the usage and uh, bidding on Christian Watson I would be a little bit more cautious only because there's a health issue here it's and it seems like it's been all year there's a health a health issue with Christian Watson, but there's talent there. And that's the thing that keeps us coming back, right? The four catches, 107 yards. And you mentioned the three touchdowns on eight targets and Aaron Rodgers didn't throw the ball a ton, by the way, just as a quick aside, how was the Aaron Rodgers breakout against the Dallas Cowboys defense and not the Detroit lions? Nothing (laughs) makes sense anymore. Um, But part of this is no Romeo Dobbs, no Randall Cobb. I mean, even, even Sammy Watkins had a good game. Uh, for for the uh, Green Bay Packers. And again, 
the biggest question mark with Christian Watson is not the ability. It's not the speed. It's if he can stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy and Randall Cobb and Romeo Dobbs continue to miss time, guess what? Aaron Rodgers is going to have to throw the ball to somebody. And the Green Bay Packers in the NFC still have a belief that they can make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback and Aaron Jones as their running back. So they do believe the defense is, the defense is pretty good. We've talked about that. So I, I think... I think if you have wide receiver issues, you can throw a dart at Christian Watson. It may hurt him, but you can throw a dart at Christian Watson. Yeah, maybe like throw a dart near Christian Watson then. Like yeah, maybe that's not, probably like, maybe, yeah. Not, maybe not right. Or not a right rubber-ended at. one or one of those yeah, those yeah. ones that have the, uh, um, oh my God, the Velcro on them when you throw oh, yeah. them against the Velcro uh, <laughs> dartboard. That's pretty much all you can do. Maybe aim, maybe maybe use a beanbag instead. Maybe that's maybe that's better. I um yeah, the Christian Watson very very impressive performance. Uh, I, I I would I mean I don't have the numbers, but I would guess after a, a, a multiple catch, hundred plus yard, three touchdown effort, I would guess he was the highest scoring rookie of the week. And I mean, th- like this is it's that says something given a the state of the Packers offense and b given how impressive a lot of the rookies have been this season, especially the wide receivers. Like, man, the wide receivers have looked fantastic this season. So if uh, if Christian Watson becomes another one of those guys, then I think you can feel pretty good about it. Like he, I mean, look, worst case, I don't think you should be spending a ton of fab, but worst case, he is someone who is a flex play or maybe even a better contributor in your lineup down the stretch. Or worst case, you get a maybe one or two good games out of him and you didn't. It's like the opportunity cost was pretty low, right? So I think the, the, the acquisition cost for... Christian Watson, again, at 9% owned in Yahoo leagues. I expect that number to spike in a huge way, but I, I imagine he wouldn't, you know, with a lot of other guys available on the waiver wire this week, I imagine he is still um, one of the better options out there. Um, Matt, before we go, I like I said, we can't, good, to, good of us to end on the Packers note, because I did want to talk about the Thursday night game with you very briefly. Uh, the Titans taking on the Packers. I, I don't know if I, how exciting that game is. <laughs> It's going to be necessarily. Are we going to watch it? Yes, we are going to watch it. Will maybe I go see Wakanda Forever a second time so I don't have to watch it? Yes, that's also maybe in the cards. But uh, I I wanted to ask you about AJ Dillon because so Aaron Jones in week nine in that game got banged up. He did suit up this week in week ten. But there's news that I guess he like injured his shin in some way, Aaron Jones. So if that's the case, let's say he is dinged up and either is limited in the lead-up to Thursday or does not play on Thursday, are you starting A.J. Dillon on a Thursday night? Because we had this same conversation last week about Terrace Marshall Jr. Now, we had that conversation because people were going to go and think about picking up Terrace Marshall Jr. I said last week I wasn't super comfortable with having to potentially stare at a low number from him after a, after from Thursday all the way to Sunday. But are, where, where are you on that same prospect for A.J. Dillon if Aaron Jones is limited or doesn't go on Thursday? If Aaron, I think either way, if Aaron Jones is limited or doesn't play, I think you, I think you have to play AJ Dillon because he's proven in the past that he can, he can be a versatile back. He, he can catch passes. I think, I think that was an underrated skill of his coming out of college that not a lot of people thought he could do at this level. And he's been decent at it. I mean, he's not Aaron Jones. Don't get me wrong, but what he does is he's a big bruising back. And I think he he does feel like the type of running back that if he gets more run, if he gets more of a consistent run where he can be the guy, I think he can be really effective. The Titans' run defense is mediocre, and it's a good spot for him. And coming off of a game where, you know, 
they they wanted to run the ball uh, again more than they normally would with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. I think that AJ Dillon would be a very good start if in fact AJ uh, if if in fact um, Aaron Jones. Well, I guess it, what is AJ? It is AJ. Um, <laughs> it is AJ. Uh, if Aaron Jones does end up missing the game, or if he's clearly limited going in. But here, so here's my other question then. If let let's say they we we because Thursday like the weeks leading up to Thursday for any team playing on Thursday, and this goes to the Packers, goes to the Titans, went for both the Panthers and Falcons last week, and will be the case for every team um, the rest of time, I would imagine, because these teams play on Sunday and then they have to play again on Thursday, like the. The practice schedule is pretty. Um, it's a, like it's lighter than it's usually it usually would be, right? And if that's the case, then it's it's not as easy to get the uh, this guy was didn't didn't play a lot in practice because it may very well them just being like them being the team just holding out players so they are a little more fresh for Thursday night. You know what I mean? Like it just it's just harder to parse out how healthy players are. So I I I just. I would be surprised if Aaron Jones was actually ruled out, let's say, before Thursday. Like I have, I have a feeling he will suit up no matter what. And if that's the case, like, like how much, how risk, how risky are you? What's your risk tolerance for knowing that Aaron Jones could suit up, but AJ Dillon might still, like, you know, in the end, get most of the work? Because I mean, we got kind of boomed with that with Pacheco when Pacheco first was said to be uh, handling the majority of the, the running back uh, running back carries, right? And then he had like a big fat zero or like something very close to zero, right? So where, where do you fall on that? I, I'm of the opinion with Aaron Jones that he's in, he's in that category of if he plays, you start him. Right. And I, I, I feel that same way about DeAndre Swift, although more and more is coming out about, hey, he's really not that healthy. Um, but he scored a touchdown and again, one of the yeah. more efficient players, yeah. but Aaron Jones is like that too. Aaron Jones can make something out of nothing. He can break off a big run. He's got great hands and he can catch the ball and make something out of nothing there as well. So if he's, if he's playing, I, I think green Bay is in a position that if he is playing, that means he's healthy enough to have at least a decent workload. And if, if Aaron Jones is getting, 10 to 15 touches a week i'm still starting him because of what he can do with those 10 to 15 touches if he if he starts then do you still play dylan Ooh, no probably not yeah okay no probably think, not just just because right. just because i mean well on a short week maybe on a short week you have to consider it because maybe he could get if they want to run the ball 35 times show that would that be surprising to you no, with the way the no. green bay offense has gone so if aaron jones is clearly banged up then i would consider starting aj Dillon. but if it's like you know aaron jones is fine then i would i would probably temper my expectations because you have to play him in a running back spot and you can't play him in a flex spot on thursday night that you know what that's a good point actually that is that is a good point because like i, I guess you could risk it but we've talked about that before because if, if you flex him and something else goes wrong for for any other player like unless your guys are like the healthiest guys in the world and if you have literally any other player with a questionable tag and you play a thursday night player and you're flex that's a good great great point that it, it might that could screw you basically right that, that yeah. could really backfire in a bad way so and then the other half of it is if you play him in your running back spot and you're and you're potentially starting three running backs like two running backs in the in their spots and then a flex spot and you put another rb in there then Maybe like, are you limiting yourself in case another better option comes up between Thursday and Sunday? Maybe, right? So 
I don't know. I, it depends on your roster construction, of course. But if you're again, if you're hit with buys or injuries, maybe you don't, you don't have a choice. But I just find that situation so interesting because like AJ Dillon is right in that category, Matt. Of like you, you don't feel great about starting him pretty much ever, but you also can't really drop him because you know as soon as you drop him, he's gonna come back and bite you, right? So, anyways, I, th- I thought that was an interesting conversation. Again, Titans Packers going on Thursday night. The rest of the week eleven slate. We'll get going on Sunday. But that does it for this edition, this podcast edition of The Fantasy Show. Again, you can reach the show anytime at The Fantasy Show on Twitter, at SNS Alley with two L's, at MaddieMar89. That's all on Twitter. And on Sundays, of course, you can text us at 590-590, name and location. We take all your texts uh, leading up to the 1 p.m. kickoffs, and we'll answer as many text text line questions as we humanly possibly can. But that's Matt Marchese. I'm Show Alley. You've been listening to The Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.